You're listening to a UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. For more information, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. This podcast features a paper from the Dockland Encounters Symposium. This symposium took place in the National Maritime Museum of Ireland on the 22nd of June 2017. It was organised by Joanna Robinson. This episode features a paper by Sylvia Loeffler from Dublin Port Perspectives. Her paper, Deep Mapping the Docks as Transitional Space and Artistic Cartography, was recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media. Um, I have to speak about the Dunleary Project uh, because uh, I don't want to bore anybody, but it's uh, important uh, because the Dublin Port Project that I'm working on now built upon uh, John Leary and um, I was very privileged uh, also to be uh, very, very welcome here in the Maritime Museum for the last two years um, so uh, it's very nice to be back um, so to speak and um, so just about uh, the Don Leary project then it was called uh, Glass Journal a deep mapping of Don Leary Harbour Glass uh, being an Irish uh, name for colour um, particularly with, uh, in use with the Irish Sea so it uh, arose, so I'm from visual culture, I'm a visual artist, and I was based for that project in the geography department in Maynooth, uh, but, or they, I worked with them, but I was based in O'Leary as well. So uh, what is deep mapping? Deep mapping is actually a geographically in, uh, um, expression for looking at spaces, but I do deep mapping differently in ways of tender mapping. And when I said that first in the Maritime Museum, they were like, ooh, 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 tender mapping, what is this? <laughs> so uh, tender mapping um, goes back to the 17th century. In literature, we had uh, Madeleine de Scudery, who for the very first time uh, used um, a map where emotional uh, names replaced the place names, so to speak. Now, if you look at this map, uh, it... Um, it's called the, the map of tenderness and uh, resembles female organs. So it was the first time it was used uh, for the body. And uh, all the place names and all the, the rivers have, as I said, names of emotions. So we had the lake of indifference, uh, the sea of danger. And uh, 17th century was the, the time of courtly love. So we had the place names of uh, jealousy, obsession and so forth. And everybody hoped to end up in the city of new friendship. So uh, this uh, map has been used in art for psychogeography. So the name says it's psychogeography to discover geography in a different way rather than just place names from A or going from A to B. A lot of my um, work has to do with those factors, with identity, with conflict as well, and with belonging. Conflict in the terms of we do not know who we are in a particular place. And in uh, maritime uh, locations, you have, of course, the element of water. You have a certain liquidity or fluidity, what was mentioned already uh, in this morning, that there is a fluidity for history as well. So how do we deal with the relationship between human being and habitat then? And uh, in my case, uh, looking at places and emotions, so we have themes like topophilia and topophobia. Topo, topos meaning place, and philia, the love for place, or the positive feelings for place and topophobia, the opposite, some place you do not like. But uh, they don't, uh, one doesn't exclude the other. Sometimes we, ha- we love places we, have ha- we hate. It's, it's always intermingled. It's not black and white. 
So again, coming back then to home and belonging, and that was very prevalent in the, in uh, working with the Dunleer communities, and it was very it's very prevalent now working with Dublin Port and the communities of the Docklands, say what borders there is Ringsend, Sheriff Street, Pier Street, and the inner city. So um, what we looked then as well is the mood of spaces that is expressed uh, in a public way, but also in a private way. And how can we map, how can we map mood? How do we map energy? So these are the ways uh, I do it via art. It's very hard to do that with science. Um, I would like to explore the imprints of the psyche of spaces and places with the work I'm doing and the concept that what I call it is public intimacy. How intimate are, are we actually with spaces? Uh, um, we don't find it in a book necessarily. Sometimes we can, we can, not impossible. But uh, in, in my many ways we need our own body, we need to go to the places, we need to talk to the people, we need to interact, we need to participate. So. What we have then is a reconsideration of monument and uh, memorial. And uh, the work that I'm doing is I'm documenting a history that's happening now. It's very difficult in historical terms because history is written after. Yeah, after it's happened, there was defeat, there was victory. But what is happening now is very hard uh, in terms of history to define. So with the work uh, of tender mapping or deep mapping, uh, I'm documenting the stories uh, of a place maritime places in my case, to create a visual ethnography. And uh, this is the only theoretical framework I'm giving, not going into too much, too much detail, but uh, the um, works that influence what I'm doing is uh, obviously Beckett's uh, main questions, where he asks where now, who now, and when now. Uh, in philosophy, there was a Russian um, philosopher, also linguist, Mikhail Bakhtin. He talks about something called heteroglossia and, and the chronotope. These are very, very big word, word, words, but they mean hetero means multiple, uh, glossia means text, so multiple stories, basically. And chronotop is the intersection between time and place, and what is happening at this intersection. This is what I'm interested in, is the threshold. The threshold in a historical sense, so where are we in history, but also the threshold between the land and the sea, what's the place called the port or the harbour or the pier or the dock. Um, and the uh, last two people I, you can see on this uh, slide, we have uh, Benjamin. Benjamin was a, a, a cultural, let's call him a cultural philosopher. But he was also interested in uh, space and the collecting of fragments. Benjamin was from Berlin, and he looked at his childhood in Berlin via signs, street signs. And I'm very interested in how people reflect uh, their own identity via the changing of place names and the changing of... Um, the changing of the layout of the city. The last person then here is a Frenchman, Roland Bart, and Roland Bart looked at photography, but you can apply this to anything. He talks about two ways to look at an image. He talks about studium, you study it, and he talks about punctum. And punctum is something for him that pierces the image, you experience sort of a wound. You kind of uh, are touched by it in an emotional way. So uh, it takes it again, it takes it further than just the surface. Uh, so when I conducted Glass Journal, which we have here, um, so bringing us back to the colour of the Irish Sea, that was the idea to, uh, that was the initial idea. So the initial idea is always, we have the place, we have the people, but also we give it an emotion, but we also give it a colour scheme. And the whole Dunleary project was um, around glass, which you can see here, so you can see the sea, and all the, the books were tinted like that. And um, I have a studio space in 
the Coast Guard Station, which is just down the road, uh, which is now a residential area. So um, the co- in between the two pier arms of the Leary, there are 14 locations. And uh, me being based in the Coast Guard Station, I identified 14 um, to uh, make a book on, a visual journal, if you like. Uh, dealing with what I just mentioned before, dealing with identity, dealing with um, conflict and belonging. So um, the 14 locations then, I won't go through it in uh, great detail, just to give you an idea, very different ones. They were Many of them were yacht clubs, but we also had the RNLI uh, lifeboats. We had um, the fish shop. We had uh, MGM Boats, who sells boats to millionaires. Um, we have the sailing school. We have the powerboat school and so forth. So a very big variety on a very small stretch of 1.5 kilometers. Um, I haven't got an idea how, uh, exactly how, how many kilometres Dublin Port is, but it's a lot more than 1.5 kilometres. So the Dolieri project was then very, very intimate in that sense that uh, 14 locations on a very, very small scale uh, a stretch uh, between the two pier arms. And I was based, for the first few months of the project, I was based in the ferry terminal. And the ferry terminal, I don't know if people have seen it, it's just across from the train station, this is what I looked out to. Yeah, so you can see nothing happening. That sums it up. Um, so uh, I was in there and I was looking at maps that weren't used anymore. And uh, I showed these maps then later on to all the people, the residents and the workers, and they remembered when they were used and for what they were used. So this was like filling in the gaps of the old stories of, of what was there before. And um, we had nostalgia already today. In this case, nostalgia was very important because it was one of the main emotions of Don Leary Harbour. Then, where you just had lunch, who was here? This was where my first exhibition was and where my second exhibition was as well. Sorry. But you can see, uh, so the space looked very different. I made a series of very small-scale handmade books the size of a hand, so you could hold the place basically yourself. And uh, we rebuilt the harbour arms there, just with carton and paper and the books were lined up as if they were on an altar, so showing uh, reverence to the museum as a church, but also showing, uh, I don't know, uh, appreciating the spaces. Then for the second exhibition, very, very different, uh, same space, but the tables are, uh, there's no harbour arms, they're just floating like in the sea, and there's two books you can see, so the small one again that you had seen uh, lined up, and the bigger one I just made with all the people, the residents and the workers, and what's in those books? Um, these books will be housed here in the library. You can see for yourselves then. But uh, basically, uh, it's all the materials that people brought in that they would say that relates to the place. And many of them felt very confident again to express themselves with photographs. But there is quite a few writings, particularly from the residential area. There's also like all sorts of collecting of fragments. I mentioned Benjamin before. Uh, how do we how do we remember? We keep little things, we keep little reminders, we keep newspaper pl- clips of the place, old letters and so forth. So the people brought this in and we took images and we put them into the book as mapping, whatever, this place in Dolleri. So the two books were then tied together with um, little chains, expressing this idea of that everything is interlinked and um, is homed and housed accordingly. Um, coming back to my time in the ferry terminal, uh, I worked together with uh, the harbour master and uh, he did this very interesting uh, little thing here. I asked him about the highs and lows uh, as his time of harbour master and he said, 
The low was the 19th, it took place on 9 September 2014, and it was the final sailing from the Leary of the Senna Explorer. And the Senna Explorer was in terms of, um, I also looked up what does a dock mean, in terms of like, you know, how you birth a boat, a uh, ship, and um, that was the very, very last uh, sailing, or the, la the last time that boat was actually uh, birthed in the Leary. And nostalgia fed on that. People are still talking about the Senna line in many, many ways. And um, it's interesting now, I'm based in Dublin Port, in Terminal 1, Dublin Port, and I look over to the Senna line coming in. Ter uh, uh, terminal 1 is the Irish uh, ferry terminal as such. So uh, I'm making, uh, I'm now doing a different mapping project. You saw the books, very, very small scale. Um, just uh, first of all, though, Terminal 1 is where you can see the circle um, on the north side of the port. It's like you, the port in its structure has a, a tooth-like uh, gap structure, so it's the biggest tooth. So that's where uh, Terminal 1 is, and that's where I go every day. This was the space when I saw it first, and this is what it looks like now. So these are the maps. They're 5 meters, 2.4 height, 5 meter long. And um, the standard line goes through them. And I uh, saw several sites, but I chose this uh, in particular because I was interested. Oh, you have the, you have the uh, I think it's the Superfast X uh, in the background there because the standard line lines up with my maps. So in terms of the project itself, um, the, or the materials that I use are mostly, and you can see through. Um, so we start from... The medieval ages, uh, and we go on until the port now. It's nine phases, and uh, the, every phase is uh, tied into an emotional dimension, and uh, the first one was anxiety. And here is the drawing. So you can see the port, the city was the port. This is Dublin City. The stain there is Christchurch, and um, the square there and the tail, that's Dublin Castle and the, what is called the pool. And the Christchurch area there, all the jetties were actually situated around there. Um, at the very, from your side, at the left-hand side, the, the bridge there was the very first bridge at that time. Is, is the Father Matthew Bridge today. And the big one at the end is where O'Connell Bridge is today. So this is the um, shoreline. It's the only one that is different from all the other shorelines because it's up the river. Everything else moves down. So you see it from the drawing. And then you see it uh, in the terminal building itself. So it looks quite uh, intriguing in ways that you look down um, towards what Neef was talking before about uh, the capital dock is as far as you can see from Terminal 1. But you can see through to all the cranes and you can see um, on a good day... No, the capital dock actually is the stopping point. So that was the first um, project, um, of the uh, first part of the project. And uh, for each um, map uh, layer I make in the port, I invite three people to speak in the city, in the lab, which is the gallery in the inner city, because it's the point is to make a connection between you're so far, far down the river, how do you bring the port back to the city? That was the uh, wish of the Dublin Port Company in their brief to do that. So at the seminar, I invited for, for, um, for the medieval... Uh, Shoreline of Anxiety, we had uh, Howard Clark, who's a medieval historian from UCD. Uh, we had Niall Brady, a marine archaeologist, um, 
and we had Sheila, D Sheila Dooley, who is the curator of Dublinia. Uh, and just uh, to give you a flavour of what they would have said um, as a very quick synopsis in terms of um, what is the medieval port of Dublin, or how does it uh, relate to anxiety. So uh, we had um, Howard Clark, of course, uh, relating to uh, the maps, and he said that um, we have a very surprising information about Dublin's early inhabitants. Where did they dock their ships? What dangers awaited them on the quays? Oh, sorry, that's actually not... Sorry, that's the wrong speaker, sorry. Uh, um, that's Sheila Dooley, and she says, what dangers await them on the quayside, and what did pirates have to do with Dublin's port? So again, this brings us to a world that doesn't exist anymore in Dublin pirates, but it exists in a different way. Uh, and we had uh, then Neil Brady, the marine archaeologist, he talks about um, natural resources and how um, uh, we have a growing demand um, that the city centre fortunes wax and wane throughout the Middle uh, Ages, and what the city needed was large-scale engineering solutions. So we always, throughout every map, you have this absolute uh, need for progress and always what is left behind. And that was the same in the medieval ages, uh, or in the Middle Ages, as it is now, which is quite interesting. And uh, then, of course, we had a fascinating talk by Howard Clark, who talks about... Um, who talked about the uh, locations and facilities of the port, that they changed radically over time. So we think now that the Docklands changed radically, but they did so already if you think that that Christchurch was what Custom House is now, basically. So um, the second phase um, was then, we do a big jump, uh, so medi uh, medieval times of Dublin port. So now we're in 1708 to 1785, and I called that one Walls of Protection because you can see um, there is, it's the time, if you're familiar with Dublin ports, the time when the Great Southall was built in a time frame of 70 years, which was extraordinary. Um, if you look at the dotted line on the map, um, that's where the medieval shoreline was. So uh, you can see the River Liffey, that is like a channel. You have the little square, which is the custom house. Uh, and then you see the north wall and then the east wall. And that's it. And then you have the Great Southall going out to sea with the Poolbeck Lighthouse. And uh, just in terms of the terminal building, this is what it looks like. Okay, so suddenly it's changed. You can see the Jonathan Swift there in the background. Um, you can still see it going into the Liffey, but then it goes further down the Liffey, goes into sea. You can see it at the other side. Um, the light uh, is quite extraordinary and based upstairs in the overflow space and um, the light does to the maps what I couldn't do. It's quite an endeavour to paint them, but uh, yeah. when the sun comes out uh, it, looks, it changes uh, the layout and that is, uh, or, or the colour scheme, uh, and that is uh, very uh, intriguing itself. You can see the space in between the maps, you can, you can walk in, it's about uh, almost a metre. So the idea is you can see your shadows when you walk through. So you're walking through time and space, basically. Um, then, I'm sorry I'm talking through so fast, but it's nine phases. We're only going to four. <laughs> so we have layer three. Um, again, protection, wall prote of protection from the last phase was because of the walls um, giving this element of soothing, the color blue. But now we have 1786 to 1866, and I call it structures of care. 
the map itself and the drawing is yellow to shine the light on where care is needed. And, um, and the, in the phase before, I had speakers who dealt with the building of the walls. We had the port engineer. We have had Fiona MacDonald, who is an artist, who did interventions on, on the walls. But for structures of care, it was different. And uh, for structures of care, uh, this was quite interesting. Uh, again, tying in with um, what uh, Neve was talking about. It's the first time the docks actually appear on the map. You can see them there. So if I talk you through here on a drawing, because it's more obvious, you see the custom house, uh, and then you see um, the old dock, what was called the old dock. You can see George's dock and the inner dock. This is all on the upper side of the Liffey. And then you see the Royal Canal and the uh, uh, square or the, the rectangular square on, on the bottom here is the Grand Canal docks. So it's the very first time uh, these uh, appear. Um, all of those maps were used by Harry Gilligan. They were engineering maps. They were used in the history of the Port of Dublin. It's the same maps that Neve actually used for her uh, for her faces when she explained the changes into the 21st century. Um, what's also changed? Uh, you can see that middle part. That is the part that constantly keeps evolving until we are down where Terminal One is now today. Um, but the docks themselves, um, in terms of care, um, I was thinking a lot about how we reflect on history again and how we go through time. Um, this one here is called Val. Val is a cleaner. Um, he's not from Dublin docks, but he knows them very well. Uh, I asked him to uh, go in, and uh, nicely he went and stopped at the Royal Canal there. So um, I was thinking of uh, how we catch only glimpses of the past in what is there now. Uh, in I go through the port every day, and I go through the Docklands every day. Um, the old um, uh, community element is still there with young people and particularly in jumping, jumping into water. So um, the docks are locked, but there is a huge um, thrill, let's call it thrill, for people, uh, young people, to jump in. The new, uh, they've always jumped in throughout generations, they were telling me, but the new element is the, vets, the wetsuits. The people wear wetsuits, and they also jump off the Samuel Beckett Bridge, which you saw the Calatrava Bridge, and you've had those images up there. It's now everywhere in the news because we have had hot weather, but uh, it's always happened. People always jumped off the bridges. And uh, this is kind of like um, the uh, activity that is so... Um, it, there are throngs of teenagers doing that. And there are throngs of people from uh, the financial services who have their lunch outside. So you see them sitting on one side of the green where the... Um, where the upper, the, the inner dock is, that's where the IFC crowd would sit, and the other dock is used by the teenagers to jump in. So I think like that visually um, it's extraordinary that uh, this um, happens. If you, you can see it, of course, in, in terms of explaining it in phases of finance, but uh, you can see it uh, for yourself if you go down there. Um, so, the, you saw where, where I showed you Terminal 1 is very, very far down the port. If you want to come up, um, there's only one shortcut that brings you over the Samuel Beckett Bridge. Uh, otherwise, you'd have to pay if you went to uh, Tollbridge. Uh, nobody knows about the shortcut except for people from the area and from people who work on the port. You go along the Lewis tracks if you want to try it. But you go and you basically hug in the, in, in the docks. So you ride, if you drive, you ride at the dock. The dock is like this far far away from you. 
And uh, it was about two weeks ago. I, uh, there's a traffic light, so I stopped my car, and behind me were, uh, was a, a, a van with uh, three guys, and the wind, I had the window down, and I smelled that they were smoking something of sorts. And uh, I saw them, just, they were talking. The next thing, this girl walks up, and she wears a wetsuit, and she was the only one at the time. And she was screeching wet, and I thought, oh, she must have come from the swimming pool. I didn't realize that this, what she was going to do was she was standing up, and jumped from the very top of the ledge. She ignored me, but she looked at the others and she said, now we'll see. And she held her nose and she jumped from the very top of the ledge. The light went green and we all had to go. And we went over to Samuel Beckett Bridge on Macken Street, just actually um, outside the Port Gosh Theatre. The man caught up with me and the guy leans out the window and he said, did you see your one? And I said, yes, she was something else. And he went, yes. And so we parted, and I thought, would people in other ports uh, in Hamburg or Rotterdam have conversations like this in traffic? And it was quite interesting that um, the element of the teenagers jumping would be something that, that is a spectacle, that is a public spectacle. And that is just as interesting as uh, the central bank. The central bank building, actually, just uh, before I move on quickly... But the Central Bank building has uh, been opened uh, with the notion to be open to the public. You can see um, the director having his lunch. So you can see him. That's, that's their idea of public interaction. So, <laughs> so it's quite wild in comparison with other things. But just to go on quickly then. So uh, this is the phase we had um, going then on from 1867 to 1897. Only a framework of 30 years which is compared now to the 21st century, was the biggest building boom in history before, before now. Uh, in those 30 years, much more was built um, that's, than, than in, in hundreds of years, so I call it frenzy and excitement. So it is pink, of course, and you can see um, there's an extension. So again, if you bear with me, if you see the dark spot is the custom house, then you have the docks again, you have the Royal Canal. Down there you have the Grand Canal uh, docks, but there is an extension, and that's the North Wall extension, and that was done with the diving bell. And the diving bell, what I think Joe was saying, that he knew there's six men going down the river uh, to, with, to clear it for the extension. Like, you know, so many of those men went deaf. There was a huge, um, a huge sacrifice in health. There is actually workers in the port, in the terminal building, um, whose fathers were on the diving bell, and none of them could hear properly. So again, uh, the map itself then as a fabric, you can see Rob who helps me here, uh, hanging the, the maps, goes up, never quite clear, what can we see, what can we not see, what weather will we have, what weather will we not have, but uh, I'll just show you the, the good ones, <laughs> okay, so where you can make it out. So uh, we are going on now to um, the next phase, which is 1898 uh, to 1927, we're crossing into the century where most of us were born, and um, it's called um, turbulent time, so the emotion is turbulence. You can see uh, the city red, it was the time of the Monto, when Dublin had a red light district that was frequently um, visited by dock workers and by the sailors alike. Um, sexual disease was rampant. Uh, we will have um, the seminars on Wednesday, so we'll have Jerry Kearns, who's a health geographer, talking about um, this notion of um, how Dublin became night town and became basically 
a prosecution hub. So the other um, thing is you see green for Joyce again because like it was uh, 1904 was the time Joyce uh, left Dublin. He was only to come back three times. We'll have uh, Robert Nicholson who is the curator of the Joyce Museum elaborating on Joyce and his relationship to the port. And we will have Sheena Barry, who is the curator of the lab, talking about um, what it means to run a gallery in the inner city, where the port was really situated before. So uh, these were just a few things, a few snapshots. I want, want to finish, finish with this one, because it shows you my working space in the port. Um, again, you can see um, the size of the, the fabric. The interesting thing is that um, I can only give you the narrative in a very uh, abbreviated form, but I would interact a lot with the um, uh, Dublin port staff, with the Irish ferry staff, with the cleaners, with um, also with the cabin crews of the Ulysses, the Epsilon and the uh, John Swift. And the customs, the sniffer dogs come to see my maps. I'm very privileged. It's a very exciting way to look at the changes of um, the port. And in terms of Dockland encounters, uh, that's just a very brief uh, introduction to the project. So I'll leave it here.